the start, the struggles, the pain and joy. This is how you started lah podcast. Hello people, today our guest, uh, she is one of the pioneers of the stand-up comedy industry in Malaysia. She started back in the early 90s. Now, apart from being a stand-up comedian, she is also an actress, writer, producer, director, radio announcer. Let's welcome the legendary Joanne Kam. Thank you, Gadget. Thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast, which initially I thought was an FB live session because, you know... I'm a woman that has a lot of things to do, especially over the weekend. And you did this long-ass message to me, voice-recorded message, which I didn't bother to listen. This is how my attention span is. And I honestly thought that today was going to be an happy live session. I've actually worn a bra. You may not be able to see it. I put on shorts, you know, so I'm not in my underwear. You know, I could have I could have come on this podcast with just wearing my singlet without my bra. But not only that, I even bothered to make up for this. And now my daughter next to me is laughing because I mommy took thirty minutes <laughs> to make up. I'm never I'm 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 never gonna make up for you again, Gajan. That's it. Yeah, so so to all the listeners here, as Joanne has mentioned, so I asked her, I think about two days ago, and I sent her a voice message saying that it's a podcast, and then uh, that's what I said, lah. But like she mentioned, it's not she having short attention span. She thought it was uh, her Facebook live, so she dressed up. Yeah, so to all the listeners, I hope you all can imagine Joanne come right now, as she mentioned in her, her bra, in her makeup, so that she's. Uh, I'm not only you're... in my bra; I'm in my Victoria's Secret. T-shirt, which is quite sexy, but not too too slutty, you know. So I actually ah. put on clothes for this, you know, like <laughs> like I could just like be like butt naked and just talk to the to Gajan without your realizing where my flaps are hanging. <laughs> but now I'm so there you go. I even put lipstick on. Wallane, <laughs> okay, what color is the lipstick? Maroon. <laughs> The light red, pinkish. It is heat sensitive lipstick, so it follows the temperature of my body. Who yo? Does it follow the emotion or not? No, no, no. It, it, no technology uh? hasn't gotten that far. It's just heat sensitive. Yeah, so sometimes it's pink, sometimes it's red, sometimes it's maroon. So, like, when you enter, like, restaurants, do you need to do a temperature check or they just look at your lipstick? Ah, mm, any orange, boleh maso. Yeah, both. Actually, they should. <laughs> Everyone should have a lipstick like above thirty-seven degrees. Then, when the lip the lips will turn black, so you know that this person has a fever. That should be the way. <laughs> yeah, or red. Uh, then uh, red means uh, red uh, means uh, red, alert. Uh, red alert. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, Joanne, for being my. Uh, Eighth guest of this uh, What's Going On Love podcast. Uh, okay. So since uh, I understand that before this, you were very busy. And I think the last time we actually spoke was in that uh, comedian's meeting on Zoom, right? Yes. And it's not one-to-one. Yep. And uh, yeah, since then, what have you been doing? Like since the quarantine started, what have you been up to? Mm, well, because when the quarantine hit, I think everybody did the same thing. Everybody went on Facebook Live. Or, yeah. the, I mean, I think the comedians who could actually 
uh, border. In fact, everyone did Facebook Live. I think there was us, the Chuck Fun Show, then mm. you, and then of course the Puppy and Grumpy Show, and then the Lockdown Show, and then what's the other one? The one with Brian Prakash and Kiran. I think it's Brian and uh, Kieran. I also forgot. It's uh, like a one mic stand. They use the one mic stand page to do the show every day. Mm-mm. But now they stopped it already, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so we've been doing all that. And I guess during the lockdown, there's nothing much to do, right? I mean, you can't go out. And even when you can go out, it's just to buy the groceries. And you know what? Honestly, I kind of miss the fact that... Uh, KL wasn't that crowded and you actually mm. have the groceries, uh, the shopping centers and everything to yourself, especially the supermarket. Mm. You know, people were not everywhere, but now it's back to almost normal where everyone's is, everyone's everywhere and there's traffic jam, you know? Mm. Yeah. So in that sense, I kind of miss the quietness of driving through KL and Oakland Road. You know, being yeah, that's true, one of the 10 cars. And, you know, for pollution as well, it really worked in, how would I say, revitalizing our skies? Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah. Mm. But what to do? I guess we are kind of like almost back to normal. Yeah, and uh, I think that our events will be starting next week, right? Mm. The regulation. I, yep. I think uh, so, yeah, since July, yeah. Yeah, I think events are allowed. I'm not sure whether the comedy clubs are going to open, but I think they will try to open uh, with the sh- the social distancing SOPs as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a new normal. So just now you mentioned that you're also selling pork. Roast pork cereal, yes. I've been doing that. This is my fourth week. Interesting. So what made you started to sell pork? Well, you can't really sell your FB live show, can you? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody doing all these FB live shows, you know. Everybody, I mean, there's no income from it, that's for sure. You get exposure. Yeah. Exposure doesn't pay, Gajan. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> what you call this, I decided to like do this sideline where I roast pork. Uh, it's called uh, Popo's Crack, actually. That's the name mm. of my seal yolk. Uh, I'm sure you all know what crack means. So it's a, it's a what do you call this? A little cute name that everyone can recognize my kind of humor with. So it's been doing very well. I only mm-hmm. do 10 a week, which is uh, Saturday and Sunday. And so far, it's sold out every weekend. Oh. Mm-hmm. So I'm now called the Siu Yok Comedian. <laughs> Or the studio girls, so that's 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 nice. That's nice. And and your buyers are what restaurants or like individuals? No la, not restaurants, of course, individual. Oh, restaurants. And you just sell the studio. You don't sell the rice. No, I don't sell rice. I sell one kg of studio. You take it. You go and share it with the whole of your family. And I only do one kg. I don't do half and half like that. You know. Yeah, oh. but but there are some people that request like they want to buy two feed their like their staff in the hair salon they've got five people so i'll make like one and a half lah. so so uh, but my one kg is the smallest amount because oh. I'm, i only do 10 a week so it's like 
no point to like do 500 gram, 500 gram. It becomes very tedious. Hmm. 10 means 10 kgs a week. 10 kgs a week. So for people to order, they need to order 1 kg or more. Oh, so 10 customers a week. Yes, correct. Wow, oh. your math very good. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. I went to government school. Correct. A for math. Okay, are you planning to branch out to any other meat or not? Like mutton. Confirm get Indian crowd if you sell mutton. No lah. That's why I give to the Indians to do it lah. Like a Kiran yeah, Baladevan, Prakash. Prakash can make his mutton verbal. <laughs> you know, no competition here. I do I do my my China, China Siu Yoke. And uh, I'm trying out whiskey uh, uh, Cha Siu, which I, which I did pretty good. But it's a little bit expensive because uh, the char siu is soaked in Macallan. So oh. it's a little bit rich and it's more expensive than the siu yolk. So it's, I, and you can't make siu yolk and char siu together because I only have one oven. Oh. You know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't cook them together. It's, it's very different. So if I were to do another meat, it will be char siu. Ah, yeah, sometimes I order like char siu and siu yo. By the way, for the non-Malaysians, uh, char siu is roast pork and uh, siu yo is... No, siu yo is no, no, roast pork. Yeah, the other one is barbecue. Yes, barbecue. Barbecue pork, yeah. Ah, so I'm not like the... Because I don't do this for a living or this is not my main thing, this is my side thing. So it's yeah. like artisanal. It's you know, it's like how people do sour bread and uh, at home and they sell it. So it's like you can call it like artisanal siu lah. So you take the mm. one kg block. Ah, uh, then if you have like family gathering, family day, ah, uh, then you make your own rice and order you eat lah. Ah, uh, mm. very niche uh. mm. Yeah, like a very. Like uh, just for that small market, uh. yeah, small. I'm like, I'm not gonna like if you ask me to like just give you like rice with siu yolk and char siu, you know. I say well, you go to Lucky Garden and buy lah, <laughs> easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, which is true. <laughs> like you, you won't buy from me if if it's just for one person to eat. Hmm. Now, uh, Joanne, I understand that you started stand up back in the early nineties, and I believe it's the boom boom room, right? I started uh, stand-up in Boom Room in Singapore. That's correct. Ah, and which year was it? And how did your first gig go? Well, let me... Oh, which year? I think it's uh, late 1990-something. Because the Singapore one started first. That's hmm. where Kuma went in first. Then after Kuma, six months after Kuma started the Boom Room, then I... Uh, I came in as his co-host lah. Uh, mm. So it's been that. So it's been quite a while, yeah. At that time, got no no internet or... Got lah, mm. got internet, but then like it's a... Yeah, dial up. It dial up. Very slow. Very slow, my God. Dial up, dial up, uh, like that. Uh. So it's been actually... Actually, what's interesting is next year will be my 30th anniversary in entertainment. Ah. Starting from before Boom Boom Room because I was two years in Harper Villa and then I joined Boom Boom. So if you want to count backwards, I was counting the other day. Yeah, next year will be my 30th year in entertainment industry. So what do you do in... Uh, that means 91 uh, you started. Yep. 
91. So what what did you do? What did you do in 91? Uh, I was in Hapa Villa. That's where we all met. Uh, mm. Kuma was also in Hapa Villa. Gurmit Singh. Singapore, yeah. Yeah, Gurmit Singh was also in Hapa Villa. So from there, we branched out into other things. He quit Hapa and joined Boom Boom. And then after mm. that, he invited me to guess. And then after that, I was offered Boom Boom Room Singapore. You mm. know, so it was a natural trans- transition. Mm-hmm. And uh, what made you want to, like, uh, do stand-up comedy on stage? What was your why? Well, it's either that or become a kindergarten teacher or nurse. Ah, so I think the, I went for interviews. So I had two options, either to join Singapore GH as a nurse trainee or to mm. join Harper Villa as a performer. Of course, I chose the performer. Yeah. <laughs> Thing, like if my if I've chosen the nursing one, my life would have been a very different from it is right now. Yeah, you won't even read the full report, short attention span, just read the first word. Yes, All right, give him Panadol. Just give him Panadol. <laughs> Shoot the paracetamol into him. Easy. <laughs> I wouldn't be bothered going through others like <laughs> uh, So that that's how it started. Like uh there was no one incident that said, ah, you know what, it's high time that I need to go up there make people laugh. It was basically these two options, nurse and, and gotcha. performer. And at that yeah. time, in Singapore, there was no stand-up comedy at all. Stand-up mm. comedy started when Boom Boom Room Singapore started and mm. Kuma wasn't even the star of Boom Boom Room. They wanted to make the dancers and the singers the star, but because the dancers needed do costume change so Kuma had to come out and kind of be the MC he was just the MC so mm. to uh, after every uh, time the dancers perform and that's how he decided to turn out comedy you know to mm. kind of like buy time because the dancers need at least five to six minutes to change Mm. Uh, so what we used to do is we'll take all the joke books that we could find in the bookshop. Everything, you know, the truly tasted books, truly tasteless jokes, mother-in-law jokes, father-in-law jokes, sex jokes, whatever. So they had all these volumes, right? Volume 1, Volume 2. Vol- so we would go to the bookshop and we just kebas everything that's on the shelf and we will mm. take which one we want to take lah. So Kuma mm. will do first. Kuma will tick, 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 and say, and then he'll pass the books to me and say, okay, I've already taken what I want to, to, to use. You take what you want to use. And then we'll go out churning those internet jokes now. Now they're called internet jokes because it's been, they've pushed everything to the internet. Yeah. Mm. From, so basically that's how we learned. We didn't write. But what we did was we turned the story into like as if we were, we were experiencing it. So let's just say mm. like, oh, uh, what do you call this? Uh, three guys walk into the room, you know? Uh, one priest, one this, one that. So we'll use that same context, but we'll make it seem like, okay, my uncle walked into the room, you know, yeah, and then... Localize it. Right? Uh, localize it, and, like, and, then, and then a priest came, and then after that, Sami came, you know? Uh, mm. So, but that's how we started comedy in Singapore. Hmm. Hmm. We were the and, first stand-up comedians. And uh, was your style the same like from the beginning? 
like uh, doing the sex jokes or did you at one point suddenly change hey you know what it's time i want to do all this explicit jokes uh no it was explicit it wasn't as explicit as it is now because mm. kuma would have taken the more explicit ones uh mm. but it had to have that naughty cheeky feel because it was a cabaret club Mm-hmm. It wasn't yep. a stand-up comedy club. It was a cabaret club. Mm-hmm. You know, they were uh, they were what they call these dancers. They were singers. The show was very camp, so it was almost like a RuPaul Drag Queen show. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 uh, every weekend people would come in to a point. Of course, all the tables would be taken, and people were sitting on the floor watching us. Oh. Mm. That's how big it grew, you know. And then when mm. I came to KL, when we opened the Boom Boom Room in KL, uh, we could fit about three hundred to five hundred people upstairs. I don't even know how they did that, and mm. it will be full house, back to back. Of course, you have your tables, your VIP tables, so it's huge. The Boom Boom Room in KL was was three times as big as Singapore. And there will be table upstairs, there will be table downstairs, and on weekends, uh, because it's the upstairs room is the cabaret, the downstairs is the R and B room, right? Mm. And so the R and B room is smaller. People would literally line up on the staircase upstairs to watch the show because if they come late, they can't get any seat. So oh. so they will be parking themselves at the bar at the back, and then will be around the tables. I mean, they can't block the tables that are on the on the center stage, lah. But you know, on the sides, there'll be people on the sides. It was a very rowdy club. I mean, it was a full on show club. You know. Hmm. Were they hecklers, ah? Like back then, people well, heckle while you. If they were. They didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm very good at crowd work. You've seen. I think mm, uh, yeah. what they call this. This is because we've had so much training in Harper Villa mm. that because that's what we do. We go out in on the Harper Villa streets, which is the it's a theme park, right? It's a theme park. Yeah. So people like me and Kuma, we are we are park characters. So we'll go out. And we have to entertain the normal people on the on the in that park because they are bored. You know, a lot of people want to take picture with us, but we have to create a show out of nothing. Like, so that was our everyday. Like, we have to just go out there and talk to audience. So I think that's why for people like Kuma and even me and like BB as well, for us, audience interaction is almost. We don't even have to think. We are able to do it because we've been taught it was like an everyday work thing. Every day you go mm, out, become very natural. Every day you 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 try and talk to different audiences. Some don't even understand English. You have to turn it into a pocket show, you know. So I guess that mm. kind of train us to be very very, uh, to be able to handle crowd work. Very well, and yeah. Hmm. And uh, what's that? When you when you moved to KL, I'm very sure you did a lot of uh, corporate gigs. Eh? 
When I moved to what? KL, I moved to KL. We opened Boom Boom Room KL. Mm. Boom Boom Room KL was an institution. It was almost like the Studio Fifty Four of KL. Everyone and everybody was there. It's owned by Bob Wong. Um, mm. literally everyone. We had people who were actors, people who were businessmen, uh, boys who were sixteen year old who were. Bribe our bouncers to come into the club. You know, we had everybody. You know, so mm. it was a very, very different clubbing atmosphere at that time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so 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 that was how it happened. The corporate shows came after. Mm. You know, there were of course the corporate shows were uh like like when we were known already after two years, then the club started selling corporate shows and then after that even I got the corporate shows uh, and mm. then I went to Penang. Penang also had a boom boom room called Babylon Boom Boom. Uh, oh. Josie Date runs it. Uh, I see. Who, who is now the ex-festival director of Georgetown Festival. Yeah. Uh, she's also doing uh, Borneo uh, Arts Fest and all that. So he owned that club and we became very close. So at one point, I was performing a lot in Penang as well. So it, it was a nice transition, you know. But these are, these are almost 26, 25 years ago, Gadget. Mm. Mm. So to be able, I'll be, uh, I'll be very honest to say that I'm very uh, blessed that my career has uh, survived this long through its yeah. many interpretations, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think in the long run, to be able to sustain something like this, it takes a lot more than just perseverance, you know. Correct, yeah. Mm. Because when you say you started like, uh, <clears throat> like uh, was that in the 90s, at the time, internet was just starting... And then after you had the Friendsters, the MSN Messenger, yes, that face like 15 ICQ, years ago. ICQ, ICQ, yeah, ICQ. ICQ. Oh my God. Yes, ICQ. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh. <laughs> and then now you've got the Facebook, Instagram. And then after right now, you've got the TikToks. Uh, you got Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix coming in. Correct. So how how's that phase been? Like from the uh, mid-2000s to now. Mm-hmm. How's that been for you? In like with all these digital things coming in, I mean, for the digital thing that you have no, that you have to roll with it. If you don't roll with it, uh, what you call this, you'll be left behind. Uh, like Nokia, la. yeah. So you catch up. You try to catch up. Of course, mm. the younger boys catch up a bit faster. You know, uh, yeah. sometimes you are a bit uh like, I think. For my generation, we're called boomers, right? I think mm. a lot of boomers, uh, they want to maintain their authenticity, you mm. know? So so to them, it's like, what? TikTok? No lah, I don't want to do, do all this. But you have to roll with it, you know? Yeah. Maybe not uh, adopt everything, but adopt the things that you know is going to be relevant and is important for you. Yeah. Especially for your business and especially for your career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Are you on TikTok by any chance? 
Uh, I've downloaded the app. I think you will do well, lah, because you have that you have that personality. Yeah, but I also need to figure out whether I need to do this with my makeup on or off, and then have to shoot everything. You know, it's very tiring. You know, you don't realize it's tiring to put on makeup. Ah, let me answer. There's a there's a lady that asked for the studio, and I say, ah, uh, yeah, I make I make only I'm. I make one kg blog, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've downloaded it, but I need to look at the tutorial on how to do it. <laughs> but, but I've been able to cut my own videos, mm. yeah, on a on an app now. So that to me is an a, a private achievement for myself. You 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 pay a Gen Z by in uh by maybe half a kg of cereal to uh, and then ask him or her to help you well, do some my, TikTok my video. Gen Z is now working for a corporate uh, that's the issue right now so where's the other Gen Z uh, you gotta find a... <laughs> yeah exactly the next one I'll be putting for like looking for assistant PA yes yeah mm. because like it's nice to see that uh I like talking like to comedians who like started in the nineties because then you all cover different eras, right? Like the pre-internet, then the dial-up, then the Friendster, and then now you've got the Facebook and all that. Because like in the when me being in Penang, right, in the early nineties, uh, I only remember seeing one comedy poster, and that's a Hari Tiskanda show. He <laughs> was at uh, Eno Hotel near there. There was like a banner, and as a kid, that was the only poster I saw. There was never other. But now you'll see so many digital online, so it's nice to see how things have changed. How things? I mean, I think the concept is still the change. It's the same. Yeah. It's just that we have more players. Yeah. You know, so that's good and bad. Like last time, there could be only Harif Iskandar, me, maybe one more person. But now there's so mm. many to choose from. So I mm. think on the audience aspect as well, you know, audience can choose who they want to listen. You know. Mm. Or what type of comedy they want to listen. Like I never yeah. force people to to come for my show if they don't like the kind of comedy that I do. You know, mm. if you don't like dirty jokes, if you don't like you know explicit jokes and all that, then don't come. Go for yeah, exactly. You go for someone else's comedy because you know how it is. Like they come and then they complain. You complain next time, don't come lah. Yeah, exactly. I also don't get it, lah. If you're going for Joanne Kam's show, then you should you know, know what you're expecting, right? Yeah. You know, if you don't know, if you don't know, then uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, but but some come without knowing, so it's either they I win them as a fan or I don't. You know. Yeah. Ah yes yes. So I've come to a point in my career where I don't need to win people. I'm like, okay, if you like it, like it. If you don't, you don't. People have the freedom and the choice to like what they like and what like what they don't like, you know. So yeah. I'm not here to force you into that, you know. I'm here to mm. entertain. And if my jokes are not the type of jokes that entertain you, then the next time don't come lah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I still get really pissed off with these people lah. I mean, if you don't like, then then don't watch the show or don't follow the page lah. As simple as that lah. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, okay. Was there any uh, corporate gig where they hired you, and they thought you're going to do the normal stand up, like just on stage and jokes, but then they didn't expect 
dirty jokes and then you did dirty jokes and uh, they were in the end they were upset maybe did you had any of those moments okay there was one but then it was the brief of the event company to me to say that go all out hmm. but it was kind of a, like a serious event Uh, oh, so the company even told you go all out, no, but the client that, yes. is not in for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it was a long time ago. Uh, okay. I think when people engage me, they already know my style. So for yeah. corporate, they always say, "Oh, do the." Uh, but Gajan, when I do corporate shows, I don't tell the jokes that I tell during my stand up in Joke Factory mm, and definitely, all, yeah, all the LOL shows and. Mm. Crack house, those are jokes that I reserve for, for com- yeah. comedy clubs. You know, yeah. when I go to to corporate, it's I call it like my safe jokes. Yeah, you know, but of course, like to them, it's still borderline hamsap lah. Yeah. Uh, okay, but <laughs> borderline hamsap like that. Ah, uh, but uh, yeah. So I don't talk about all this like, like the pepe and the I do say tete, but I don't talk about pepe. I always I always ask them. I say so, when you say okay means tete cannot cannot. You know I always ask the the clients. I don't ask the event organizers now. Then the client will be like, some are quite fun because some are like, yeah can lah, but. You don't make it so vulgar, lah. I'm like, I'm okay. That my 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 ish my my gauge with them is always I talk to them first, and then usually they'll be cheeky, cheeky. Uh, what do you call this? Uh, the members of uh, the committee members, right? So some will say, go go, hey, do whatever you want, you know, and then some will like, ah, yeah yeah, do whatever you want, but uh, yeah. but uh, hold back on the dirty joke. Then I'm like, okay. The gauge is, will you allow me to say tete? If you allow me to say tete, then I know. Ah, uh, because mm. sometimes the audience like it. You see, sometimes the audience yeah. are the ones that go crazy. Mm. Yeah, because sometimes when the audience like it, right? But then the the top management don't like it, right? Then you got like a ah, then what kind of gig is this? Did it go well? Did it go? Because I've done before. <laughs> Well, the audience did well, uh-huh. and then because the top management are not happy, they'll say, "Chi Gajan, the show wasn't so good." But then, but the the audience were laughing. Yeah, but our HR director was, didn't like it. Like why he didn't <laughs> like it? Because he's talking about Indian joke or Nepalese. Yeah, that was one of it. Because to them, they saw the problem. Most of them, they'll just see race, and then they immediately ah, that's race. Oh, oh that's yeah, race, is it? Yeah, they will say yeah, and somehow I didn't use vulgarity, no nothing. But the the crowd enjoyed it, you know, because I was coming from a diversity standpoint. Okay, of course. Yeah, but uh, but that's the thing, lah. Yeah, always you need to please the top management first, and then after that, maybe the audience second in the corporate world sometimes. So sad. Huh? Well, with corporate, I always feel that the audience is you need to make the audience laugh, but more yeah. importantly, you need to make the VIPs laugh. Which is mm, a yeah. very hard thing because among all the VIPs, ah, uh, you don't know who is who, you know. Yeah. And then you don't know, so you have to keep seeing, looking at the VIPs face, see whether okay, is he going to be an issue or not, you know. So mm. it's it's almost like when you go up on because when you have your set of jokes already, unfortunately, that's mm. that 
you know how how more can you change unless you but some I go through with them lah. I will tell them, okay, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. Okay, or not? Ah, then their committee members were like, okay, maybe not this. You know, I think mm. they also should warn you, like, like I don't find like your jokes racist. You know, mm. but I don't know to what context. Maybe they were Nepalese guards in. <laughs> The audience factory. No, it's all Malaysian. Uh. You'll uh, be surprised whenever there's a, uh, there are, let's say foreign workers, they'll be very happy because yeah. to them they see yeah, it as yeah, inclu- yeah, yo, yo, inclusion. Yo, yeah, an inclusion, you know. So yeah. uh, it's, it's us are the ones. We are the ones feeling offended on behalf of other people. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that, that's the world we live in today. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you have to be careful, lah. With unfortunately, with corporate, it's a bit. You know, yeah. it's a bit hit and miss sometimes. You know, I've done so many corporate shows as well. So, you really, you really need to grab their attention, and it's hard. It's truly hard because they're eating and all that. And then when you tell yeah. them, uh, you need stop service for fifteen minutes at least. I don't even ask for half an hour. I say fifteen minutes. You give me fifteen minutes. You know, yeah. until I pull people out for audience participation, you can bring out the food. You know, so yeah. it's again, if the food does not leave the table, if the if the hotel, even after the event company, uh, already requests, but the yeah, then what are you gonna do as a performer? You need to be out already. You know. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's it's a tricky situation. It's a tricky situation, but unfortunately, it's what pays the most for us, right? Yeah, unless you can sell out your special uh, more than one thousand tickets. Mm-mm. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't do that every month, can you? You can't do that what? You can't do that every month. Sell your ah uh, every month one thousand yeah. tickets. <laughs> Okay, I want to ask, uh, what has been like your darkest moment throughout your entire career, and how did you recover from it? Hmm, I think a couple of years ago, I was considering leaving ah. leaving entertainment because I was wow. offered, uh, I was offered general manager of a eyebrow salon. It was my friend's salon from Singapore, and they wanted to bring in. To Malaysia, and they felt that uh, I was the right person to do it. But unfortunately, at that time, with the Singapore dollars being what it was, with our Malaysian currency, the services wasn't as the services were good, but the services was also very expensive. So it was very hard to get uh customers that would pay that much for eyebrow resurrection, right? Yeah. And six months into that, I realized just when I want to get out of entertainment, the shows keep, it, it was nonstop, you know? There were shows, yeah, there were shows, there were projects, you know? And mm. at the end of the year, there was another big show that I had to do because the client wanted it to be part of a launch for their brand mm. you know so of course they came in and 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 bought the show and 
and that was towards the end of the year as well. So I had to give up my GM post because after evaluation, then of course the the main company was like saying, oh, you know, uh, blah blah blah. Of course, my attention span was not solely just there, but I remember at that time it was my darkest because I was doing almost four jobs at one time. You know, I wasn't sleeping. I was panicking. I was stressing every day, you know, to a point that, you know, my hands would would tremble, not because of mm. anything, not because I was cold or what. It was just like, I was just so stressed and I was losing, not to say that I have a lot of hair anyway, so I was losing hair. Mm. Uh, and then at that time, uh, what do you call this? when the entertainment jobs keep coming in, you know, and then I felt that, okay, la, it was a sign. So I gave up being the GM for that place, you mm-hmm. know, and they still put me as director, but after after that year finished, I was, the the next year that came, I, I told them I can't, I can't handle that. And it's a yeah. very... I guess for people who have done entertainment for so long, it's it's different from writers, you know. Like writers, if they're going to get another job, you know, they can solely concentrate there. I guess the difference is because we live for the stage. Yeah. You know? So if there is an opportunity to be on stage, you know that your spirit, your soul or what just wants that that to us is what makes us alive however Mm. having said that that doesn't mean that if let's say a creative director role come uh that is suitable for me that i will not consider you know i Mm. i will still try and balance balance the two you know Mm. Mm. You know how they say, once a showgirl, always a showgirl. Yeah. I guess that's my motto. Mm. Yeah, like Joanne, you, you definitely belong to the stage. Uh. And some, uh, among all the comedians, you are the one who use the stage the most, <laughs> as in the space. Because some comics will just stand in the middle. So it just shows uh, that you you and the stage definitely have a very strong connection. Do you have butterflies uh, Like before going up on stage? Do you still have that? feel nervous i think for bigger shows i do or if especially when i'm in the international stage you know uh Mm. because you don't know what crowd you're gonna get malaysia i'm a bit more calm because malaysia is home so it's my people you know but when i go to adelaide when i go to perth when i go Mm. to melbourne you know that's the thing but recently when i came back from melbourne uh, we mm. did Melbourne, Canberra, uh, and Queen Bayen. Mm. So and Sydney. So we did four spots, four four shows in four different locations, mm. and the last spot was Queen Bayen. This like like this little town, one hour plus away from Canberra, and it's it's a small town, but it's an arts town as well. They have a proper theater. We perform. The theater is beautiful, so we performed there, and it was such a small town that people came out. People actually bothered to come out, 
and mm. it was such a nice warm crowd you know yeah. and there was okay so in sydney and melbourne you get you get the australian asians there you know asians come and watch the show a whole bunch of asian gay boys there sydney a whole bunch of queens there in queen bayon there mm. was only like maybe 10 gay boys mm. eight of them were bears sitting right in front and the rest were all these old straight couple heterosexual but australian couples you know with their with their wives and their family they're white couples and mm. it was so cute because our show was an lgbt uh skewed show right mm. it was for pride month it was for the uh, the mardi gras you know at that period mm. we were under we were under their banner so it was really nice to see that in such a cookie cutting crowd you know they still were open enough to hear four asian uh queer queer comedy was queer comedy talking about everything from like like gay sex to sex to no sex to LGBT, uh, in uh, in a uh, in in like Singapore. You know how does it feel to be gay in Asia? You know we had a uh, Indian comic Naveen Naronda, that that was uh, amazing. He his storytelling was amazing. He was talking about how his ex boyfriend proposed to him when he was sitting down in the toilet you know yeah. about being gay in india and you would expect a melbourne and sydney crowd to be of course awesome because you've got the gays came out and watchers the straight people were there there was there was an equal balance of gender but nice. this in queen bay and it was like 10 queens i could count because they were all in front shouting and the rest mm. were straight people there was and there was one family Asian family. That was it. Mm. That was it. You know? Yeah, so comedy can bring t- people together. I believe that comedy can and comedy can translate uh, into other platforms as well. And for that, I guess that's that's why we are all in it, Kajan. Mm. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, laughing is great, but making other people laugh is greater and the greatest thing is after a comedy show you just see all of them happy that's like the greatest thing right because you see like this audience they come to a show they don't know each other but after a show you feel that they feel more comfortable being around each other even though they're strangers I and always, the feeling is just the feeling great. is like that's why we are still doing it that's why we yeah. want to do it and I think that feeling is the feeling we as performers as comedians chase yeah. Because, because it's almost like a drug. It's like heroin or meth mm. or cocaine. Mm. Uh, it's yeah, being, a lot of experience. Yeah, right? being on stage, that's our drug, you know? Yeah. So so no matter what it is, you know, you once you've had that taste, you cannot say no to, to it, you know? And mm. I think a lot of us only do corporate is so that we can sustain our comedy stage life. 
And I think that's the only reason, you know? But yeah. So, yeah. But for me, when I when I was doing it part-time, it was like a 50-50 for corporate for me. Mm-hmm. But then now it's like, a, I would say 70-30. So now I sort of like, I look up also. I, I definitely feel excited when I get a corporate gig. Like, of course, the ones that go bad, then I'll like... There will be one good day, ones. Like. There will be bad ones. We just need yeah. to keep moving. That's that's one way you know that's the only way if not how yeah okay uh before we move on to our final game i got uh this last question i want to ask mm. uh this is regarding about the current issues that's going around in the in uh, on social sure. media in the malaysian oh. scene and this is regarding okay. sexual harassment mm-hmm. okay have you ever been uh a victim of course. Of uh, what do you call this? I think I mentioned that to the Malay Mail reporter. Uh, mm. when he was interviewing me for La La Land. I think that was, uh, it was very hot at that time because it was the hashtag Me Too movement. Uh, yeah. It started two years ago. Or was it three years ago? Two years ago. And mm. yeah, so when in Hapa, I had experienced a sexual harassment from a guest and when I told my supervisor he thought I was joking and he thought that I was lying he didn't believe me you know mm. because I was of course chubby I was fat you know and mm. I was I was a young 19 year old girl you know so I didn't mm. know what to do it's like almost like if you tell someone that could make a difference now I guess people will listen to you but at that time, he he literally make a mockery out of it, you know? Um, oh. Yeah. So that was very hard. But also for women to come up and say that they have had enough or for women to even call out sexual harassment. Oh. Number one, we, we want to know whether, okay, because when you call out someone for sexual harassment, there will be those who who will ask you back, so what did you do to make him, you know, this way? Sexual harassment is sexual harassment. Whether yeah. or not I dress sexy, like my boobs showing or whatever, that does yeah. not give you the right, if I do not give you consent, to yep. sexually harass me. But yep. unfortunately, in Asia, it's almost too... And sometimes when a person do it, you don't even know that they're doing it. Some women take a while, like, wait a minute. Is he even allowed to say that to me? You know? Mm. Is he even allowed to grope me? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always that. And then what happens if it's done in a corporate show? So, Gajan, can you imagine you're doing your comedy? And you know I do a lot of audience interaction. Yeah, I know you go down to tables, all right. I go down to tables. Yeah. So let's say if one of the VIPs drunk already or one of the marketing directors or whatever drunk already came and just grabbed my boobs. Mm. That's sexual harassment, but you're in a corporate show. So what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? And, and the issue is like, it's also like when the guy is drunk, I'm hoping that the event company and the clients would know how to handle them. Yeah. 
you know, but sometimes they are so blurred. I'm like, this guy is drunk. He is your guest. He mm. is your client. You know, you, so, so that's why it's like people like, that's why it's uh, like someone like, it's very important to have a PA that follows you around that knows how to handle this kind of things already. You get what I mean? So if let's say, for example, like my XPA uh, lens, so he'll be very good because he follow me around. So if Mm. something happens, then he will go straight directly to the guy Mm. or he will look for the event coordinators, Mm. you know? And as a woman, you know, it's especially someone who does the style of jokes that I do. Yeah. You know, it's always good to have someone to just make sure that it's within the boundaries. Because yeah, clients are clients. So like, for example, I had an issue. Uh, I had a, I, I cannot mention the name. So it's, uh, they sell trucks, right? So they brought okay. me all the way to JB. Okay. The clients were very happy because it was like 80% uh, suppliers, I mean, uh, buyers. And they were all people who buy this truck. So they are all like, they are all, uh, how business would I? Business owners, bus- they, They're not those like, oh, I'm a corporate business owner. You know, they are all like, it's trucks. You get yeah, like free la. Construction. Uh, and construction that. and all that. So the alcohol was going. And of course, because I was very cheeky, I was very thumbs up. I sit on their lap. Do, 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 do. So, so they were very excited. The guys were very excited. They brought their wives, but of course, half of them didn't care. So everybody was taking. Then this, there's this one particular dealer, and he was one of the dealers that buys a lot, you know. Mm. And he was, uh, he kept wanting to kiss me, to hug me, to grope me. Oh, it the was heck? the marketing girl that saved me because she knew it was her client, right? And she was pregnant. She was a marketing director, but she was pregnant. Even, and she was very clever. She like she just like, oh, like she maneuvered herself around him. Saying, no, 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 she have to go already. She have to go tired, tired. She have to go. He even wanted, because of course, like I have to change to my normal baju, right? You know, I wear yeah. costume. So while I was changing, he wanted to go into the room to sneak into me. What? Yeah, yeah, but she was there, like no, 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 and then she she pulled him to another corner to drink some more. So it's oh, that's it, messed up, uh. Yes. So these are the kinds of things that I get from my corporate show, which which yeah. you all don't get, you know, you know. Yeah. So wait a question, uh. mm-hmm. Your previous one, the the not not the truck one, the other event mm-hmm. where there's someone like sexually harass you, and then you complain to the event agency. Did they well, do anything? I complained to the supervisor. Though this was when I was working in Harper Villa, I was nineteen. Oh, okay, 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 uh, okay. Uh, so 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 okay. So sexual harassment in Asia right now. I am glad that women are starting to speak up. You know, mm. I am very glad that they've taken. Uh, uh, now men have to take all these things seriously, because yeah. how many guys have been so cheeky to just throw all this sexual harassment, uh, flirtation remarks around. Yeah. You know, uh, like, and what's worse is sometimes when you message women, you know, and they don't message back, take it upon you yourself to not say 
worst things that could get you into trouble because I've seen WhatsApps where the women have enough and then they put it on Facebook. And when you mm-hmm. read it, you're like, wow, dude, wow. Because guys sometimes think that they can get away. Mm. So now that more Asian women are speaking out, yeah. you know, and, and and don't forget, okay, Daniel Slosh, uh, I saw mm. him in Melbourne two years ago. Mm. His one man, uh, his solo show, and he talked about how one of his mates raped one of his best friends. And him and the other guys were like so shocked and they wanted to do something and he wanted her to report it and all that. And she didn't want to report it because uh, she says, you know, when I report it, the questions are going to come, this is going to come, and she just wants to forget and move on. So a lot of time when women, I think a lot of time women try to move on. You know? Correct. Yeah. They try to forget it. Like, okay, you know, let's not make it. Let's move, move, move. It's only when it's aggravated and it keeps on going, and going, then it's to a point that okay, if I need to do this, okay, let's do this, because sometimes it could be, it it could, especially if it's in a working environment where the person yeah. is your boss or something like that, or your colleague. Correct. You know, going back to work again after you've accused, let's say, your boss of sexual harassment, can you even begin to to to, to go back? It's never going to be normal. And exactly, there will yeah. be, okay, let's say he gets fired or what, and there will be people who like, you know, will keep away from you or they will say things like, you know, you ruin a man's life. You know? That's, yeah, I don't know why people think like that. But yeah, I understand where the uh, the victim is coming from. Mm. Because uh, like, uh, even during work or so, when I hang around, when I hang out with my female colleagues, yeah, exactly. sometimes one of, some, a few of them will voice out like one particular boss mm-hmm. that, you know, places the hand on certain areas. Uh, certain areas, talking. you know. Uh, I, I saw this with my own eyes when I was... Uh, the event organizer for because uh, every year at that time we do a Christmas event or a fashion show a gala fashion show and we are, we were the event organizers for it and the marketing ex, uh, marketing manager is a friend girl of course and then mm. one year it was a new boss a guy okay and mm. this boss was so sleazy while she's talking to me about certain things and all that, uh, he can look at her. This is in the boardroom. Uh. He can mm. look at her. So sleazy, you know. And then he'll be like, you know what? Last night I had a dream about you. And then oh. we couldn't believe it because I was looking at her. She was looking at me and I was, we were like, oh my God. And then she just carried on briefing me. Lah. Like she will not hear him like that. And then, yeah, he's like, you know, yeah, last night I had a dream about you. Oh, people. Well, like that, you know. Yeah. It's like, and then you was looking at her suggestively, and I'm like, I'm your supplier. I'm right here. I'm right here. And of course, me and my business partner, both women, right? So three yeah. women, you know. 
three women. <laughs> My goodness. Can you imagine how comfortable uncomfortable it is? And then again, yeah. if you want to go through the process, because in, even in the company, you know it's not just calling him out. You need to show proof. Yeah, exactly. Because it's your word against him. And then they have to do uh what what do they call it? An investigation. You know? Mm. And then in the investigation he you're you are both still working, you know. It's mm. not like the investigation is separate and then you're not you know, you won't be called out. You're both working, you will be called out. Uh it's hard. It's hard for the woman. A lot of people yeah. think that when we when we accuse people of sexual harassment, it's so yeah. easy. Yeah, la, you can call, you can shout sexual harassment. It takes so many steps before we decide, because we know once we call it, we have to deal with the other shit that comes along with it. You know, yeah. being ostracized. Yeah. You know, being. Mm. Being uh, what you call this uh, being targeted, like 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 all of a sudden your male colleagues will be too frightened to go near you. They're like, hey, Dona, Dona. I'm sure some mm. will even say, hey, Dona, Dona, don't be alone before you know. Nanti dia kata you sexually harass her. Will one come on? Yeah. You know, guys. I mean, it's not guys, but people are people. The mullot, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, you know what's the difficult part? The difficult part is when the person who's actually arrest you is the paymaster. Yeah? Yes. How, For how... example, see, that's the reason why I just now asked you about the event agency. A lot of event companies they they literally bend over to the clients. Are why? Because paymaster la. They are like yeah. yes, man. Actually, yes, they don't know. Everything they, yes, they yeah. Honestly, don't know what to do. You know. Yeah. So having a PA that understands this. Is so good because the minute something like that happened and you give your PA, let's say your assistant, the sign, then he will go to an event, the event organizer, the event organizer will go to a client, you know, and then whoever department belongs to, hey, control your men, man, hmm. control your guys, you know, uh, because yeah, yeah. because men are a bit, women are a bit better. You know, definitely. If, yeah. if they are event organizers and they are women, uh, they are slightly more in tune. You know, if they mm. are lesbians, it's even better, lah. They will take care of the woman, like, like, uh. like whenever my event organizer is a lesbian, I know like, everything will be okay. Like, like they touch me differently. <laughs> she will know what to do. Right? Yeah. Guys are uh, ridiculous. They see it happening. Uh, literally, they'll just stand there because they're like, hey, now do what? They yeah. don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. You know, women will be different. Women will be like, hey, hey the flood drown already. Ah. Who's his bo- who is department eight? Department yeah. eight, go tell William, go tell William. William, go Correct. handle. Yeah. And then the William got, hey, lie, mama, lie, come, go drink. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll be honest with you, so right, even my my whole experience, right, the people who are drunk and like heckle me, like disturb me, like even come up on stage are men, you know. Nah, you mean nah. <laughs> like you know, I did one for a bank, right? I won't mention which bank. Uh, cannot the mention. The guy was so drunk. Okay, the guy is a senior manager, so drunk, came up on stage and took my mic, you know. Yes, and then sang. You know, he started telling his own family story, like because I was talking about diversity, about my parents, and then he started telling his family uh, stuff she... about his family. Then he gave me the mic, uh, then he went back down, and then five minutes into the set, 
I look to the right, he's backstage, you know. What's he doing? The guy's drunk, you know. He's waiting to come up, lah. Oh on my stage, god. La. And then nobody ah. knows what to do, right? Yeah. Nobody. It's... I tell you, the event organizers sometimes they like when things like that happen, they don't know what to do. They're like, oh my god, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Very, do I do? very robotic, yeah. They don't know how to improvise, sir. Yeah, no, it's not that they don't know how to improvise. There's no SOP for it. No one. Yeah, no, but them. no, understand. But this kind of things also, it's quite common sense, lah. You know, if someone is really drunk, disturbing the momentum, you know, it's not ethical. Then common sense, lah. You but should go in and. They are not common sense, you know. I mean, like, like, and also because if it's a senior manager, it's even worse because you're like, oh my god, it's not like just an exact thing. It's, That's the thing about hierarchy, lah. Mm. Hierarchy and the paymaster, lah. When uh, when the other when the person who's doing it is of a high hierarchy or the paymaster, you will think twice, tries. Hey, I still need to pay my bills. You know, I still need. That's that's the that's the problem. Yeah, they don't know how to handle that situation because the next day when he is fully conscious and fully this one, he's still your boss. You know. Yeah. There is a way to do it, lah. It's just that I feel that. Event companies need to at least give out an SOP on it. Since everyone's giving out SOP, why not do that? Hmm. Okay. Uh, thanks for sharing for your for all the your stories and uh, all your inputs. It's been nice uh, hearing all your from the different side, right? Yeah, from the nineties until now, from the days from dial up. To ICQ to now and uh, well, the struggle the is real. The struggle is real. The struggle will always keep getting real. You know. Mm. Uh, okay. Now we come to our final part. Now the final part of every episode. Uh, I have this uh, segment called "Just Answer Lah." It's a quick fire question. There's no right or wrong. Is either uh, A or B. All right. So, but you gotta answer quick, ah. Huh? Okay. So uh, first one. Uh, go out on a date with Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio. Brad Pitt. Be the opening act for Ali Wong or Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho. Apple or Samsung. Samsung. Dolce and Gabbana or Burberry. Burberry. Gucci or Prada. Gucci. Uh, snorkel or jet skiing. Jet ski. Migrate to Nepal or Mongolia. Mongolia. Okay, that's the end, Joanne. That's the end of our podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, no pauses there. Very quick. I thought the last one you have a long pause. Okay. Why Mongolia though? Huh? It's why beautiful. Mongolia? Have you not seen how beautiful Mongolia is? Actually, both. Well, Nepal is I... also yeah. Nepal is beautiful, but it's uh, mount mountainous. I don't know. Maybe I I was thinking of Mongolian barbecue at that time. <laughs> no, seriously, I've had a proper Mongolian barbecue before in China. It's ah. amazing. The food is amazing. But then yeah, again, yeah. when I think about it, I should have mentioned Nepal because I'm a Buddhist. So Nepal is the motherland. And it's beautiful uh, as well. Very hipster place, actually. You will yeah. feel right at home over there. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably see my relatives, my long lost relatives. They'll start talking Nepalese to you. Sure. Thank you so much, Joanne. I had a fun time talking to you. This podcast and now I can finally unhook my bra. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Joanne. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of episode 8 and see you all next time.